To those listening, welcome. As we explore wonders and mysteries and journey into the realm of unknown. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown podcast, a podcast where we talk about all sorts of weird, spooky stuff. Uh, We've been having a little bit of a break for the summer, but we are back, and we're talking about some weird stuff in the coming weeks before we dive into a month-long theming, essentially, uh, that we did similarly, I believe, about a month back or so. Uh, so get excited for that. I will be discussing that later, but I just want to give that a quick heads up. Otherwise, everything has been kind of samey for people who have been here for a little while. Uh, things have been crazy in Philly. Uh, I won't talk about it here, but I definitely I go off on it a lot on uh, Twitter, and it's 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 a crazy time. It's a crazy town, but it's Philly, so I still love it. But yeah, otherwise, things have been good. Uh, nothing really news-wise when it comes to the podcast or stuff that's being updated and stuff. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> There's not a lot of banter for this episode uh, until we get to the end, in which I'll give you know updates in relation to what's kind of going on and some of the stuff to expect in the coming weeks. So, without further ado, though, in the meantime, I do have some promos to run. Uh, We ran some promos in the last episode, and we have a few promos to run for this episode. And first up, we have a true crime podcast by the name of The Various Nightmare, a duo that dives into some of the more darker sides of life and all of the spooky real-life horrors that occur in our world. And without further ado, I would like to introduce A Nefarious Nightmare. Hey, I'm Courtney. And I'm Amanda. And this is A Nefarious Nightmare. We cover true crime and the paranormal. We raise awareness about the senseless acts committed against victims. We won't go easy on the offenders, but show serious empathy to the victims. And sometimes we dive into some weird topics outside of true crime, like the paranormal or even conspiracy theories. Our listeners are definitely the best, and we are their biggest fans. So join us. Come on in. All are welcome. Let's dive into these cases. You can find us on any podcast platform and on YouTube. Be sure to find us, hit subscribe, and share us with your friends. We do have great life advice, such as don't be a Richard. Yes. (laughs) And wear deodorant. We don't want to smell you. But all are welcome to a nefarious nightmare. And then for our second promotion for this episode, we have another true crime podcast by the name of the Reverie True Crime Podcast. This show is hosted by Paige, who narrates true crime stories and eerie events that again occur and are the darker sides of our world. Take a listen to the Reverie True Crime Podcast and check them out on wherever you listen to podcasts. Reverie, the state of being pleasantly lost in one's thoughts, a daydream. But what if those daydreams turn to nightmares? Reverie True Crime 
shines a light on the dark tragedies that have happened and are continuing to happen all throughout the world. We interview and work with families to bring awareness to forms of injustice. We explore the depths of cases from around the world to include missing persons, mysteries, and more. Reverie True Crime is found wherever you're listening to this podcast. Remember, you don't have to live in fear, but stay aware of your surroundings. Stay safe and take care. And then we're back. So guys, definitely check out the two promotions that we have. They are true crime focused. So I know that's not entirely what we do, but we kind of blend together and they're both two really incredible podcasts uh, that I would really appreciate if you guys were to go and check them out and show them some support on wherever you might listen to podcasts. Okay, Doc. So for today's episode, we have a topic that I, I talked about it before years and years ago. Uh, we're on the YouTube channel, but it's a creature that, or I should say a, it's a phenomena in which I find a lot of interest in, in the concept, although there really isn't a whole lot out there in relation to it. Um, and that is the idea and the phenomena of atmospheric beasts or atmospheric animals. And you might be wondering what the heck are atmospheric beasts? What is he talking about? I've never heard of these. Uh, you probably have, and uh, we'll get into it, and we'll kind of break down what the beasts are, what they typically are, the sightings, the description, all that good stuff. But atmospheric beasts as a whole, as a phenomena, it's a rather strange sort of corner that, on the Venn diagram of things, uh, kind of incorporates both UFO lore as well as cryptozoology lore. According to eyewitness reports, these beings are apparently living. These are believed to be physical, tangible, living animals similar to what we have on the ground and in the seas. Just this time, they're up in the clouds. However, they don't typically follow the rules of traditional biologists kind of establishing for other living organisms. They kind of are their own thing. That's why they're classified as their own thing. Uh, they appear to be able to levitate without addition of wings. They typically are not described as being bird-like, and you'll understand why. Uh, as well as their bodies being distinctively semi-solid. They're not intangible, but again, they're very cloud-like uh, in essence. And they partially have an invisible state, but this may have to do with light. So, and again, we'll just we'll get into that. But that's a brief overview of what you can expect that we're going to talk about with atmospheric beasts. Now, the first creature that we're going to talk about in relation to a described atmospheric beast, because there are a few... Uh, would be atmospheric jellyfish. Now, atmospheric jellyfish in particular, in relation to the animals described as being this category of things, they are more or less attributed to sightings that are kind of just them floating in the atmosphere, as well as them being linked to the UFO phenomena as a whole. Uh, the unexplained phenomena has been cited, this particular one, the jellyfish, has been spotted by hundreds of people across the globe 
pretty much all over the place in Asia, Europe, South America, Australia, all over the place. Uh, and this includes relatively prominent people, I say, because I don't have entire confirmation on this, but alleged scientists, military bases are locations where these are spotted. More urban environments with larger populations of people that are reporting these. And these sightings have prompted some speculation as to whether or not these are real creatures. And since the 20th, or I should say that since the mid-20th century, these mysterious creatures have been sighted uh, numerous times and have been gaining some level of recognition within the media and the scientific community. Uh, I say this because there have been technically some research into the matter, uh, at the very least in order to debunk them, but it's still something. And it's one of the very few UFO-based phenomena that has been recognized and, again, researched by site community, while additionally still being very headline-drawing. Actually, in an in, in example, the NASA actually did some research into the matter uh, in relation to the jellyfish on whether or not, you know, these creatures, what, what they could be, what people are seeing, what is this phenomena. And one of their explanations to the matter is the fact that this could be potential space debris. Now, bear with me. I know that's like the, the grab bag of uh, UFO explanations from NASA just saying it's debris. Oh, it's just debris. But it's not because, you know, you're taking a photo of it or you're looking straight at it and you're like, ooh, that's a spaceship. People are seeing weird amorphous shapes that are in the sky closer to them. So their explanation is the idea that potentially light, you know, like the northern lights, uh, you know, reflections from our sun, uh, you know, cosmic radiation, so some whatever uh, is bouncing off of the space debris and re- essentially reflecting and creating a illusion of some sort. Uh, that is tricking the eye into believing that there is some sort of, like I said, amorphous entity that's floating and flying above them and then disappearing back into the sky once the angle is gone. And again, that's just an explanation. That's just one of the ideas that NASA has kind of floated out there, uh, in particular to explain the atmospheric jellyfish idea. However, (laughs) there are a few sightings of uh, strange, silky, string-like threads that have rained down from the sky, physical, tangible things, allegedly, that have been spotted across the globe, across centuries in time, and is even the core catalyst behind a Christian miracle, as well as the foundation of a new religion here on Earth. And that's a tease for a future episode, but it is in some relation to the idea of atmospheric jellyfish, However, this requires so much additional extra research that I cannot include this within the Atmospheric Beasts episode. But trust me, it, that is going to be a crazy, a crazy wild ride uh, of an episode, and it's going to go into weird places that you did not expect and just didn't understand. Uh, people who do know what I'm talking about in that brief description, don't tease anyone else. Do not spoil anyone else. Uh, let them enjoy the ride. Moving on to uh, some other more well-described atmospheric beasts that people commonly spot, uh, we have sky serpents, or, you know, 
snakes that are elongated up into the sky. Some people describe them as being more dragon-like in appearance and are floating and or flying up in the air. Uh, they typically move in a sort of swimming fashion almost, uh, if you could imagine the idea of a sea serpent. Uh, it's very similar. Um, it's very close to how you might see that. Or even you know the snakes that jump out of trees. It's very similar motion. However, they are not the same as, you know, what you would typically describe as a dragon. People just kind of associate them as such. Certain sky serpent sightings uh, resemble brine shrimp in comparison, which is odd that people still describe them as serpent-like. It, I think it just has something to do with the body. And it's just very odd. Uh, the idea is often very closely linked to the idea of Asian dragons as well, being able to move throughout the sky without wings. Uh, but again, these are not dragons. These are not what you would typically associate as a dragon. These are its own completely different entity overall. And uh, those are the two most common ideas. Ultimately, though, uh, I would honestly, if you, if you want to think of a good comparison of what people are typically seeing with this, it's sea creatures, essentially. Um, a lot of what you'll see uh, online, a lot of what you'll see with artist depictions, with reports and stuff like that, most of the more common sightings of atmospheric beasts or creatures have a lot of similarities to the, I guess, description or anatomy or just general look and feel of sea creatures, more so than uh, any like land animal. It's pretty well established that that's kind of what it is. Don't quote me on why that that's the case. It just is for some reason. I literally do not know why people associate so many of the sightings to look like jellyfish or fish or people describe like whales or like these shrimp snake-like creatures. It just happens to be that like it's the ocean but in the sky. It's very bizarre it's kind of one of the ideas uh, or reasons, I should say, as to why I like this so much, because it's a very neat concept, very new wave, trippy, like, you know, 70s uh, van type shit. But it's still interesting nonetheless. And that's, again, a reason why I kind of got into this as a core idea. Uh, so moving on to some of the sightings, uh, many atmospheric beast sightings are originally classified as more bizarre UFO reports since... The sense of UFO being, you know, determined as a uh, unidentified phenomena in the sky. Again, these were not spacecrafts, but these were strange things that people were not able to identify. And there's actually been authors, you know, that theorize that the UFOs are actually extremely low-density animals that are native to the clouds themselves. Uh, most of these are cryptid writers, so keep that in mind. Uh, but it just kind of furthers the idea that, hey, you know, these are animals. These are not spaceships. These are a creature of some sort that is visiting uh, the Earth or that lives here in the clouds. And one of the most uh, famous atmospheric beasts on record is actually the Crodsfordville monster, which was sighted in Indiana back in 1891 and was actually at that time classified as what we, what we would describe as a dragon. But again, completely separate thing. One policeman described an encounter with this creature that had supposedly happened while bicycling. And the thing felt, because it passed through him, 
uh, as though it was like a soft blanket and it smelled like mildew. After it rubbed against him, it floated away and it was allegedly one of the most terrifying experiences he's ever had, although it doesn't seem like it was very hostile. Uh, and he was convinced that this was, in fact, a living, breathing creature. It wasn't like a ghost. It wasn't like a weird trick of the, trick, yeah, trick of the light. Uh, he believed it was a living, tangible entity of some sort that was more animalistic than, you know, sentient in any way. Uh, and over at the uh, Shetland Islands, which is a collection of islands or an archipelago over in Scotland, uh, atmospheric beasts are actually known as it and are often thought as cloud animals. And just as the sea, as we were describing earlier, has a lot of, you know, hidden life forms and a lot of animals that we just don't know about because we just can't physically explore or see all of the ocean or they're obscured in some way because we don't live down there. Uh, similar to does the clouds and the vast ocean, quote unquote, of the sky, of the atmosphere. Uh, and that is where the it live, which are merely animals that are native to the clouds. Those who reportedly touch the it or the atmospheric beasts are said that they feel as though they are being licked by a enormously soft tongue. And it's very, it's a weird, gross description, but I get what they're going at. Very bizarre. So what is the description uh, to further detail what these kind of entities slash creatures might be? Overall, in a general sense, those who believe in these entities, these atmospheric beasts, believe them to be rather fragile, lightweight creatures who are either native to Earth or are extraterrestrial in origin. If you are a proponent of the latter, uh, of them being from outer space, the atmospheric beasts are either broken into the category of them originating from a different planet and then migrating to Earth, or they are this sort of amalgous gas cloud forming type entity that is birthed in space and lives and is capable of moving in space. Not, you know, originating from a planet, not originating from any sort of form of solid ground or anything, uh, just kind of formed out of the matter of space and again, migrating to Earth. So just not having a home planet. And uh, they generally believe, uh, regardless of what, you know, which one you actually believe in, People generally believe that these entities, that these atmospheric beasts are not sapient, which in a more general sense is the idea that they're not uh, intelligent. Uh, they're not similar to like your idea of what an extraterrestrial is. They are very much more closely related to what we typically associate with animals. They're just an animal that just happens to be from space, that just happens to be able to do this. It's just a creature. It has no real like sentience to it. There's no intelligence to it. It's just another living creature. And uh, that just happens to be what they're described as. Uh, and uh, in various eyewitness accounts, atmospheric beasts can change their density, becoming either smaller or harder in mass. 
usually there's a weird like metallic-y color to them, but typically they're seen as being very like large cloud-like entities that can kind of to a very slight point become like invisible. But again, I think this has to do more with like light reflection rather than just like being intangible completely. Uh, now, in some reports, they might glow. Uh, others, they resemble, again, as I mentioned before, whales up in the sky. Uh, they're called sky. They're called air whales or cloud beasts. Uh, believers think that these atmospheric beasts have uh, normal habitats that are high up into the air. That they have very similar behaviors to that of you know animals that we have on the ground. They have normal behaviors of uh, you know moving about, feeding, uh, migrating, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they do believe that if they were to touch the ground, they'd die, but I don't really understand why there's no explanation for that. And uh, again, they resemble things that could look like clouds. Uh, they uh, sort of move throughout the sky as if it's a sort of like stream or ocean or some sort of like body of water. They're very similar to that. And it's just a lot of like very oceany type behavior, but just up in the sky. It's very, it's very strange. It's just how it is. Now, people again believe that these are actual creatures, so that they have mouths, they have eyes, they have some have flippers, some have tentacles, like the the jellyfish. Some have different shapes that cause them to move differently throughout the uh, sky. It's just very bizarre. Again, it's very much think of it like an alien ocean vertebrate that's up in the sky it's very weird uh and the idea of death um there's a brief summary of kind of what it is uh many believe that again if they were to fall to earth then they die they believe that they sometimes fall down as a kind of gelatinous mass essentially it think of it like the reverse a blobfish or similar to a blobfish actually uh, the idea that it, the blobfish is an actual creature that lives very, very, very deep down into the ocean to such a degree that its body is very loose so that it can actually sustain itself in that high-pressure system uh, and that high, high density. But if you were to bring it back up to the surface where we have just normal gravity, there's not the density of the ocean on top of us, uh, it kind of just falls apart. Like, it dies, it immediately dies. All those blobfish photos, it's dead. But it kind of just plops down and just falls apart and becomes a goop. Uh, So a very similar idea here where they're leaving the lighter atmosphere and then moving to a denser atmosphere and then just kind of turning to goop. That's kind of what people think the atmospheric beasts do. They come in different colors when they die. Some see it as green, some as purple or gray. Uh, Again, it's some weird jelly-like substance that evaporates quickly into nothing within like minutes of it being there, which plays into that teaser that I mentioned earlier. Uh, It's another trait that is described in those events. Uh, It is supposed to explain the type of idea that, hey, these are there, but we don't have any evidence for them. Therefore, do they exist or not? It's just a very weird thing. Uh, The phenomena, though, the kind of idea of the gelatinous stuff is known as a thing, kind of. It's known as gelatinous meteorites or star jellies. 
and reports of it come from all over the world, uh, not just like Europe or whatever. Like it comes from all over. Uh, gelatinous meteorites are not always connected with the atmospheric beast theories. They actually are more easily found among collections of uh, Fortean or Fortiana. Uh, what is that? Actually, collection of Fortiana. Oh, okay. So it's basically it's basically a satire in a weird way. It's a weird way to describe it. So they're more often associated with that. Uh, they include reports that many describe as being odd things falling from the sky. Uh, and again, the idea of quote-unquote gelatinous meteorites. Um, atmospheric beasts or things that sound like them are minor characters in sort of folklore throughout different regions uh, in relation to kind of the idea of them being dead but not in a weird way. The English variety is often known as boneless or shapeless. Uh, they have a lot of more local names, but they're kind of, in, in a lot of religious aspects, they're kind of given the idea of like maybe they're this thing that's in between life and death. It, it's a weird idea. And overall, atmospheric beasts, they are their own thing, but oftentimes they are described or linked to or associated with other legends of different regions uh, as we mentioned you know here with religions uh or you know dragons ufos like they're a thing that could be labeled as a lot of different stuff and it's a little hard to kind of hone in on what the atmospheric beasts are and if you do have sightings is this actually what you're seeing it could be something else it could be even if it is like a you know a cryptid thing like is it even this cryptid? Like that type stuff. Uh, so it's a very muddled kind of phenomena overall. Uh, but there is a bit of a history to it. And we did talk about it a little bit with those sightings back in the 1890s. Uh, the police officer sightings. The sightings over in Scotland. Like all that sort of stuff. Um, and in the later decades of the 20th century, we kind of talked about this in the opener. But at this given time, the atmospheric beast theory has kind of died off. It was not as well known as normal. Um, and this probably has to do with obviously people being a bit more knowledgeable of how the planet works. Uh, and kind of with that creatures and entities like this kind of died off a little bit. Uh, however, again, serious investigations did occur, but typically they kind of stayed away. Uh, however, today the interest in the atmospheric beast seems to be growing again, which they now seem more plausible, quote-unquote, because of their relation to cryptozoology animals. People have begun to comb through older reports of miscellaneous, uh, unexplainable sightings from all over the globe, from all over history, in order to kind of link them to atmospheric beasts. They are, again, now finding a resurgence within the UFO reports and the UFO community, as being a sort of potential extraterrestrial creature rather than just like a terrestrial entity from Earth. Something that people kind of link to this are things known as air rods or flying rods. Uh, sometimes they're called skyfish. These are something like a crop circle, but in the sky. No one really knows what they are. They're kind of things that don't really get picked up by, by the naked eye, and they're often seen by cameras or cell phones. Uh, but they're spotted all over the world, and honestly, the easiest explanation is that 
this is just a trick of the light or this is a malfunction. Uh, but those are being, again, associated with the atmospheric beasts and kind of giving a resurgence to the theories and the speculations of what these things are. And they do pop up uh, here and there. They pop up a bit in modern media as well. Uh, since the atmospheric beast sightings are rare and the creatures are not very prevalent within folklore, uh, it's often that authors were the ones that kind of pushed the concept of the fiction or the theories surrounding the beasts. Uh, two of the most notable films are actually from Japan. That's uh, Dogoro. Uh, in it, this is about atmospheric beasts that uh, consume carbon and are threatened by civilization. Uh, while Space Amoeba, uh, I don't know why I struggled with that, is that atmospheric beasts are native to Jupiter and they hitch a ride to Earth and convert normal animals into giant monsters. Uh, it's very sci-fi. Uh, even like the movie The Blob is sometimes cited as being, you know, derived from the idea of the star jelly stuff, but the film itself does not specifically detail the whole atmospheric beasts as a whole. Uh, star Trek, the television show, The Next Generation, actually had an occurrence in which the atmospheric beasts were native to outer space. Uh, instead of a particular planet or atmosphere, they were creatures that uh, just kind of roamed about. However, they were not they were not very prevalent. And there is also some versions of the atmospheric beasts that pop up in the Japanese film uh, Tenki no Ko from 2019, uh, in which these entities are kind of fish-like and they come falling down to Earth. And that is it for atmospheric beasts. Um, it's a very, again, bizarre entity, although it's one of the ones that I really do like in relation to cryptozoology and uh, UFOlogy and just kind of the weird strangeness overall. It's a topic that I came across, again, years ago and kind of fell in love with. I like the idea and the concept behind it. I don't believe too heavily in it, but... If anything, I would probably lean into the idea of them being extraterrestrial, because who knows, honestly. Uh, and it would be kind of neat. Uh, from all from what I can gather, there aren't really any threatening aspects to them. There aren't any malicious intents in relation to them. So it's, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting concept. And I kind of like that they're just doing their own thing. They're just animals up in the sky. And uh, yeah, so that's it. I, I do have a quick kind of uh, thing I want to announce uh, for the coming weeks ahead of, you know, our normal closer and uh, panhandling for Patreon and uh, social media followers. But so for the next coming weeks, not for next week, but for predominantly the month of August, uh, we are going to be focusing on conspiracy theories. This is something that I... Uh, foreshadowed a bit on social media. I think I talked about it here a few times. It's similar to what we did for the uh, the month of Pennsylvania cryptids and monsters. So it's a full month of just that. And it's something that I kind of want to do moving forwards uh, in relation to episode topics to kind of just bundle them together. And I have a short list of things that I want to talk about, uh, topics that I want to go through. We'll see how I am somehow going to manage the research. 
I think it's like five weeks worth of stuff for August. Uh, but we will do it. I have a combination of just general conspiracies, uh, you know, government conspiracies, world order conspiracies, uh, and some internet stuff that, you know, modern day conspiracies. It's interesting. I'm not going to do anything too crazy. I'm not going to do anything that obviously is too controversial. Um, so I am not diving into like QAnon type stuff, even though I've very much been interested in doing that uh, in the past, but I don't think I have the... <laughs> I don't think I have the patience to actually do that. But uh, yeah, so that is what you can expect moving forwards. And as another little side note, uh, as a little small thing, I am going to be posting um, and uploading some additional episodes throughout the weeks in order to kind of just have extra stuff for smaller topics that don't really warrant their full-length episodes, uh, or I should say full-length of research into them. But they're going to specifically focus on Pennsylvania stories. And that's going to be kind of becoming its own thing uh, while the other stuff kind of spreads into that. So I'm going to do that. And in the meantime, I hope you guys did enjoy this. If you do wish to help support the podcast in any which way, you could do so in a plethora of options uh, by either leaving a review over on whatever platform you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., Or if you wish to help the podcast monetarily while also getting some extra goodies in the meantime, including bonus episodes, one in which you will get after this episode because we release one after every main episode, you can do so over at patreon.com slash realm of unknown in which we have a one, three and $5 tier list that again gets you bonus episodes behind the scenes stuff, investigative things from paranormal uh, hunts as well as some additional goodies such as polls and artwork. So I hope you guys did enjoy. Uh, Check us out over on social media. It's pretty much Realm of Unknown anywhere, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those sorts of goodies. Uh, And if you have your own stories or things you want to submit, please feel free to reach out to me via there or email at realmofunknown at gmail.com. And until next time, guys, I hope you had a great time. Have a wonderful week. And remember to stay spooky. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 